Thank you for tuning in to The Trisha Goyer Show. I'm sharing my heart and answering questions about faith, writing, homeschool, big family living, and so much more. I'll also be digging deep into meaningful conversations with other authors, speakers, moms, and God lovers. I'm your host, Trisha Goyer, wife to John, mom of 10, author of over 80 books, speaker, homeschooler, avid reader, and mega nap taker. I'm so glad you're here. Well, hello, friends. I am so excited to have my new friend, David, here, and I'm going to have David, you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself, including how to pronounce your last name, because you told me, and I'm like, okay, you're just going to have to do it. <laughs> so first of all, uh, it's a pleasure and an honor to be with you today on this live broadcast and speaking to your network of people, the families and friends of people who are dedicated to the highest mm-hmm. cause possible based upon Genesis chapter 18, verse 19, that we are educators. We yes. can't outsource faith. We have to make sure faith is from within, within the family. So my name is David Necrutman. And so blessings from Israel, because that's where I'm from. I've been uh, involved in the calling of Jewish Christian relations for over 20 years. I began Mm -hmm. with the Israeli consulate in New York as the director of Christian affairs, and then served the Orthodox Jewish community from 2007 until September of 2021. Uh, as the executive director for the Center for Jewish Christian Understanding Cooperation, being the only Orthodox Jewish institution to proactively dialogue and cooperate with Christians across denominations. During that time, I received a master's in biblical literature from All Roberts University. So that's my claim to fame as the only Orthodox (laughs) Jew to receive a theology degree from a a, uh, spirit-filled university. And in September of to, uh, 2021, Christian grandmothers and mothers asked me to step out of my leadership position to mm-hmm. elevate a homeschool Christian Bible education, uh, going beyond a devotional approach to scripture, just memorizing chapters and verses, uh, a little bit of the nuggets of some of the stories, but really going into depth of Bible engagement by fusing critical thinking and Hebraic understanding. And so we launch biblical excavations in a few weeks from now, where the first curriculum is devoted to examining the text of Sabbath based upon the prophetic vision of Isaiah uh, 66, 23, where it says from new moon to new moon, from Sabbath to Sabbath, all will worship me says God. Mm. So here is this prophet that is the second most quoted prophet in the New Testament. The number one book quoted in the New Testament is the book of Psalms. But after that is Isaiah. Isaiah is a a great universal vision of redemption. And he sees that everyone who are believers of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, celebrating a redemptive Sabbath. You would not think By opening up the book of Isaiah, this would be the ending. If you open up the book of Isaiah, he's actually rebuking the nation of Israel for outwardly celebrating the Sabbath, but not inwardly celebrating Mm -hmm. the Sabbath, right? It's sort of Sabbath as a checklist, a ritual, but doesn't have the correct motivation of a God-centered plug-in to the amplified presence of Sabbath to do kingdom work for him on this world. So... 
again, it's a it's a type of ending you do not expect from Isaiah, but yet Isaiah makes this vision. It's in the same chapter, can a nation be born in a day? Mm-hmm. And I'm from that nation. Uh, I'm from Israel. And a nation was born in a day. So we are in the times of fulfillment. So my argument is, why should we rely on this prophetic vision for generations later? Why can't we take on this prophetic call in our lives now? And I want to make it very clear, I'm not advocating for an Orthodox Jewish practice uh, of Sabbath. No, it's not about kefilte fish. You want to turn on the light, turn on the light. It's <laughs> yeah. fine. It's not about, you know, uh, European Jewish cuisine on the Sabbath. It's really plugging into the amplified presence of God. And Sabbath is literally embedded in creation. Thus, Genesis chapter one, verse chapter two, verses one through three, where God creates a day called the seventh day, which gets coined with the term of Sabbath. So um, it's already there. We already know prior to Sinai, that the biological descendants of Jacob, along with the great mixed multitude from uh, Exodus chapter 12, verse 38, that went out with, mm-hmm. with out of Egypt. So we have both Jew and non-Jew that went out together. And in Exodus chapter 16, verse 30, during the manna episode, it says the nation rested on the seventh day. The exact language that is used in Genesis 2 when it says God rested on the seventh yeah. day. Yeah. Right. But that's before Sinai. So most people think that Sabbath was introduced at Sinai in Exodus Mm -hmm, chapter 20. mm -hmm. Right. But the truth is, it was really, really at the beginning of creation. Unfortunately, humanity uh, steered away from God, got involved in paganism. And in fact, a lot of the civilizations during the time of Sinai were celebrating a 10 day week. Not a seven-day week. So if you were uh, an Egyptian, and remember, Egyptian civilization, I know many of your homeschool families have to learn history, and they're learning Egyptian civilization. You you could check me on this, but uh, a week was 10 days. So the very very concept that we have seven days in a week and the whole world is on it has to be divine. It doesn't (laughs) make any sense. It doesn't make sense, right? I, lo- I mean, I just love everything you're sharing and that, I mean, because I think so many times when we go read the Bible, we're reading this scripture verse here and that scripture verse there, and we're not truly understanding. I'm doing a daily uh, Bible podcast with my friend, Michelle. And so I'm reading more intently because I every day I have to say something. And Michelle and I, it keeps, first of all, the Sabbath keeps coming up over and over in all these scriptures, we're like, okay, this is more important than I think we even know, because if God is repeating it this much, um, and Moses, you know, God through Moses is repeating it this much, then we need to pay attention. And there was one verse, and I'm, you probably know what it is, but I, I don't have it in front of me, but it talks about how the Sabbath is glorifying God, or we were to worship, it's a way to uh, worship him. And I thought, you know, in our culture today, it's so much about, we hear the day of rest, we need to rest. And yes, we go to church or we uh, attend, you know, spend time with our family and go to church and put this in it. But do I really understand that that whole day, that resting is a glorification of God and what he has done and what he has set up throughout history? I think so many times we miss it 
because we get used to whatever traditions we have and we miss so much that's going on. So when I heard you have this curriculum and I homeschool my kids, I'm like, yes, I want to talk to him. I want to hear more. I want to know about this. And I just love that you're talking about Sabbath first because it's that foundation that's going to lead through so much more. Right. So I would even, I would even further the, uh, the argument in a way by saying, if you look at Jesus and his miracles, many of his miracles takes place on the Sabbath. Yeah. All right. Usually that gets missed. It's the miracle part that gets more emphasized. I'm saying, well, mm. no, he's doing what we call Shabbat healing, Sabbath healing. He's mm. going to synagogue because he was born in a Jewish home. He was raised Jewish. He's taught how to learn scripture from the prism of the Judaisms of his day, he's teaching the disciples and the crowds from a very Jewish technique approach to scripture. Remember, the only Bible in existence during Jesus's time is the Hebrew scriptures. Yeah. All right. Yeah. He didn't write anything down. The disciples are the ones who actually write mm -hmm. down what he said. But the unfolding of the story in real time, a lot of the stuff is happening as far as the miracles are concerned on Sabbath. That should be mm -hmm. significant if you're looking from uh, from a Christian point of view and how you can look at Sabbath in a very unique way. What are we doing to bring healing to the world? Mm. Right? If, if you are a Christian, you're professing in, in the doctrine and creed of Christianity, then Sabbath should be even more important, not less important. Right? right? Yeah. Uh, so therefore, uh, again, I want Christians to be Christ-centered Christians. And that Christ-centered Christianity hopefully takes in consideration the identity of who Jesus was and from a Christian point of view is. Uh, so it's just like he wasn't crucified as a Jew and then resurrected as something else. Right. Right. Yeah. So therefore, my this is the, you know, I went into all Roberts University to enter into the world of Christianity to advance uh, a conversation that is mm really needed between both of our communities. And, and if you would have asked me 20, 22 years ago, if I would have ended up in the homeschool world, I would say it didn't seem in the possible <laughs> realm of possibility, <laughs> but I'm honored because again, for, from, from a Jewish point of view, the highest calling one mm -hmm. could really have is, be, is an educator. Mm -hmm. That's what we're supposed to be doing yeah. all the time. We're supposed to be this living, breathing educational vehicle to bring life and God into the world. I mean, that if you want to talk about what Jesus' main emphasis in his lifetime was about, it was about kingdom principles. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. So if it's about kingdom, then you can never think you're the king. And therefore, <laughs> uh, if we are running seven days a week without a stop to reflect on what we're doing, mm -hmm. where we're going, we tend to think, we are our own master. And I think what God did and the genius and the grace and the mercy is tell humanity, hold on one second. I need mm -hmm. you to plug into me. So you, you get to recalibrate of what you're thinking of doing in the next step of what your mission in life is. Everyone has a purpose. What is that purpose? You really need to think about it, not just simply being busy for busy sake. Um, so I, I want to make it very clear. Sabbath is not a vacation. You want to take a vacation, take a vacation. Yeah. You want me time, do me time. This is a capital H I M time. 
And mm -hmm. what we do in the curriculum is we really excavate the text. Uh, so a Jewish technique approach or Hebraic technique approach to the Bible is looking at patterns, looking at redundancies. God's word is infinite, mm -hmm. but God intentionally writes a certain way. And if he's writing a certain way, we have to figure out why. So let me give you an example. You don't need to know Hebrew for this, but if you go to Genesis chapter one, you will find a pattern. You'll find seven patterns that are discussed in the first six days of creation that does not exist, exist on the seventh day of creation. Mm. The number one pattern, most of your listeners will already know this. It was evening. It was morning. Just in the, the church today, day. right? Mm -hmm. Go to Genesis chapter two, verses one through three. Guess what? Does not appear. It was evening. It was morning. Now, is that a mistake that the editor forgot to put in? No. Because the seventh day is not like the other six days. What God is doing the first six days of creation is he's taking or, uh, chaos and making it into order. Mm -hmm. But the seventh day doesn't have chaos. How do I know that? Because it says everything was completed. Genesis chapter 2 verse 1 says, and the heavens and the earth and all their hosts were completed. That means there's no more chaos. So we can't bring our own weekday chaos into the Sabbath day. Sabbath has a different thing. Now, now, here comes the Hebrew part of it. This is where we add into biblical excavations. It was evening and it was morning. Now, uh, God is using familiar words in unfamiliar ways. We mm -hmm. know, based upon homeschool education, go to your science, the only way you know something is evening and something is morning is based upon the sun. Yeah. <laughs> the sun is not created until... The day fourth three. day. The fourth day, yep. The fourth yeah. day, right? So I in elementary school, we always give get this great task from our teachers that we write on every day what the things were created in each day, right? The first day was light, you know, and the fourth day you get the nice smiley sun, uh, sometimes the depressed moon, and, you know, whatever it is, whatever. The Plants are created before the sun. <laughs> yeah, so everything, you have all this stuff that's happening, but it you can't say evening and morning. Because evening and morning couldn't exist until the sun comes in. So in Hebrew, the that word evening is represented by, I'm going to transliterate it for you, Erev, E-R-E-V. And morning is B-O-K-E-R, Boker. Erev can mean mixed up. We know this from the great mixed multitude from Genesis chapter 12, verse 38. That's why I brought it up in the beginning of our conversation. Uh, Boker can also, besides mean morning, can also mean clear. So mm. let's let's review that. It was mixed up. It was clear. It was the first day. It was mixed up. It was clear. It was the second day. That's the concept of taking chaos and making it into order. On the seventh day, you don't have that. It wasn't mixed <laughs> up. It wasn't clear because everything was completely yeah. done. So here you are, just to give you a little bit of that Hebrew makes a whole big difference as far as mm -hmm. what that revelation is all about, which is Sabbath cannot contain chaos and definitely mm. not our chaos. Right. Right. So that's a, here's that revelational nugget. And what we also did in biblical excavations is we did biblical excavations on location, 4k video on different, different sites in Israel 
to then flesh out all these revelational nuggets that are in these chapters. So you're going to Capernaum. It's the only Bible curriculum that I know of that takes Israel and brings it to you. As that a student, is so great. Yeah. As, because I value uh, education. It's the only way that covenant continues from one generation to the next generation. So we wanted to up the game to elevate how Bible education is delivered. Um, so that's a little bit of a, an insight into the biblical excavations. You have a little bit of my personal testimony. So the last thing I would like to just discuss with you, because I know you're coming out with a book on Esther. Is that correct? Yes. All yes. Right. So in a, in a few moments after our discussion ends, I'm going to synagogue to celebrate the book of Esther. Mm. This is a holiday called in Hebrew Purim. Uh, and if you go to Gen uh, if you go to Esther chapter nine, verse 27 through 28, you'll see that Esther puts a holiday on the books. Yeah. Yeah. So we believe that the, the book of Esther was not only written by the Holy spirit canonized in Hebrew scriptures by the Holy spirit, but the actual holiday itself comes from the Holy spirit. Mm. So I look at the book of Esther as Holy spirit on steroids I love it. I love uh, it. We have like four categories of the Holy Spirit in the book of Esther. This is why it's great to have a Hebraic understanding. Uh, mm -hmm. The first category being the access to the FBI classified files. Mm. That's my first category. Then I named this. So you know that when you get an FBI classified report, it's all redacted. It has that black magic marker over it. And you can't <laughs> see anything like that. So... If you had access and you didn't have all those markings on it, that means this would be a great way to know about information. And here's a great proof text for you to know about the unredacted FBI files of the Holy Spirit. So in Esther chapter 6, uh, you know that the king is suffering from insomnia. Mm -hmm. He goes to his diary. He looks, he looks into it and says, oh, wait a second. I never repaid Mordecai for the nice deed that he did. He saved yeah. my life. And like a real great comedy sitcom on NBC, all of a sudden Haman walks into the room. Hey, and, what should I do for the man? That, and, oh, yeah. And then what does it say? Yeah. Haman says in his heart. Oh, yeah. Wait, wait, wait yeah. a second. Well, hold on. Uh, how do I know what Haman said in his heart? Like who told anyone mm -hmm, what Haman mm -hmm. was thinking? So there it is. Esther yeah. had access to the classified information from the FBI, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And obviously through the Holy Spirit was able to go ahead and write down what he thought. Yeah. Right? So that's category number one. Category number two is the prophecy, Holy Spirit and prophecy. In Esther chapter 9, verse 27, 28, <clears throat> you will see in 28 specifically that this holiday will be celebrated forever. Mm -hmm. Go to Leviticus chapter 23 and we have the outline of biblical holidays on the calendar. It never says it will be celebrated forever. Mm. Is Esther a genius? How does she know that later on in life, I will be celebrating it tonight? Yeah. Right. That's prophecy. That's Holy yeah. Spirit and prophecy. Yeah. Yeah. So I could go more and more, but I just want to give a, to whet the appetite. Oh my goodness. You just, I could talk to you all day. Like I just want to hear all these things. 
<laughs> so you had to tell us what the other two are because you're like already gave us two. So I, 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 I have two. to go into the other yeah, two. Yeah. You sure? And then and then I have pages of the the curriculum I want to show them. Sure. But I want to yeah. hear these other two because I gotta hear it. <laughs> okay. So the other thing is the access to the heavenly court. Mm-hmm. So in Esther chapter nine verse twenty seven, you will see uh, usually translated. So what I love to do for for Christians is go to BibleHub.com. Mm-hmm. and take your chapter and verse. And if you see that there are different translations happening in the same verse, that means there's something up in the Hebrew. It's a good clue. Yep. Yep. All right. So in the Hebrew, it says they establish and usually they accept it. And that's weird because uh, you just have to say they created the holiday. Mm-hmm. Why this unusual way of saying something that you can actually edit down to something much finer i call this the david the wishful thinking of the bible <laughs> right uh, if i was god's editor but god intentionally does this <clears throat> so as you know in the book of deuteronomy you can't add or subtract from mm-hmm. from god's directives and esther is about to put a holiday on the calendar how do we know what she did gets accepted in heaven mm. and the way that you can Read that verse is they establish and he. Accepted. Oh, wow. The that way so it's cool. written on the scroll can be either read in plural or in singular, but it's intentionally written that way to give you this notion that Esther was able to access the heavenly court to know mm-hmm. what she was doing was okay. Yeah. And then, last but not least, hold on. <coughs> Sorry for the cough. You're good. <laughs> okay. Uh, is the revolutionary, any revolutionary idea that comes in that's really beyond human comprehension needs the Holy Spirit to move it in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so the mere fact that we're, we're doing what we're doing today is probably normal in a post-COVID time, but the uh, technology that is involved in this really at one point in time was beyond human comprehension. Right. Steve Jobs's, you know, phone was beyond human comprehension. Uh, there's a joke that says he wanted something in this machine, get on it. Uh, but other people had to work to figure out what is he talking about? How do you get all <laughs> of this stuff in this little machine? Right. That's a revolutionary idea. So as much mm-hmm. as, you know, uh, people glorify Steve Jobs really should be glorifying God that mm-hmm. used Steve Jobs to be able to do this technology that we're so used to right now. The idea that Esther brought into the world is celebrating God in our most darkest moments, mm-hmm. which is beyond human comprehension. If I'm in my darkest moment, why should I celebrate God? And it's actually there. You should celebrate even more. The book of Esther is a book that takes place outside of Israel between first and second temple period. It doesn't have God's name. Mm-hmm. Uh, we win because of a military victory that both Jews and non-Jews were involved in. If you go to the last verse in chapter 8, there seems to be that God came into the Persian Empire and these non-Jews saw God and they said, I'm anchoring my destiny with the Jewish people. I'm going to join the military fight. And we won. And Esther understands that a near Holocaust event almost happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so... <clears throat> So what happens is, is that Esther realizes this and then she is the one who brings in the revolutionary idea. 
that we could celebrate God in our darkest times. Hmm. That's Holy Spirit revolutionary idea. Category. Yeah. Oh, so good. I, this is just fascinating. I just love everything you're bringing in. Okay, so we're going to talk about the curriculum. Sure. Because uh, I want to show a little bit of what's in it. And then I want you to tell all about where they can get it, where we can find it. I know um, it's not all available yet, but it's coming. In the next coming couple soon. of weeks. Next couple of weeks. Okay, so here's the table of contents. Um, and this is all just in the first segment so how many so you talked about we're talking starting out with the, the sabbath what do you have planned i mean you probably have even planned more than you know how, how much do you have planned and what what can we expect when we get the curriculum what you expect is a deep dive into the prophecy itself of isaiah 66 23 mm -hmm. the inspiration for the whole entire book uh you'll begin with the concept of armageddon and Armageddon usually is understood as doom and gloom, but we shouldn't think that every single thing of end times is Armageddon. I think mm. we have to separate the notion. There are end time prophecies that have doom and gloom, but there are also end time prophecies that are very positive. Yeah. Right. right. And one of those positives is the Sabbath. Mm hmm. So that's number one. We dissect that. Number two, we go through Genesis chapter uh, two, one, verses one through three to understand what is God's blessing? What is God's sanctification? Uh, and what's happening there? What does those words mean? We actually go through the pattern like I did with you right now mm -hmm. of, of, of God ordering chaos throughout the entire week. And then we come to Sabbath and something else. Uh, that is completely free from, from chaos. Uh, and then we go into Exodus chapter 16. We deal with the manna episode. And then we go into Psalm 92, which is the oldest text composed by Adam. Is wow. that not amazing? Is <laughs> that, that not so amazing? Cool. Yes, yeah. Adam wrote Psalm 92. Now, when people go to Psalm 92 right now in their Bible, they're going to see a title, a psalm, a song for the Sabbath. Day or to the Sabbath day. That title mm -hmm. is scripture. It's not mm -hmm. a title. It's not a superscript. Right, right. Okay. Those, those titles are really scripture from a Hebrew perspective. So you don't have of the 150 Psalms, a Psalm dedicated to Tuesday. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You have biblical characters like Asaf and David and Moses. Right. You have different characters, but you never have a day. So you have to go and say, why is a psalm dedicated to the day? And if this is about Sabbath, well, my understanding of Sabbath, as a, most people think, is a list of do's and don'ts, doesn't tell me a list of do's and don'ts in that psalm. So we really do a deep dive into Psalm 92. Mm. So these are things you're going to expect in the curriculum. I'm going to love it as much as the kids, for sure. Okay, I'm going to pull up the next, the next page we're going to show. Um, and this is this shows the, the first chapter. And so you just have explanation here. And it's so, um, I mean, there's depth, but it's not complicated to read. And I think this is something uh, currently I have, uh, well, next year, we'll, we're going to start this in the fall. I have a seventh grader, uh, eighth grader, and a ninth grader. This is going to be perfect, I think, for all of us to do together. Um, and it's not like if you look through it, it's not complicated to read, which is important because I'm learning right along with my kids. I've learned more 
homeschooling my children than I ever did in public education all those years. Um, so explain this a little bit more and why you wrote it in this way. Uh, so one of the things that I've discovered over the years in engaging with Christian groups and teaching Bible to Christian groups is um, the, the need to empower one, the person to go through the journey. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, it, not everyone is growing up in a Hebraic, Hebraic background, right? right. Um, mo- most people are being taught as information. Mm-hmm. And sometimes if you're living in this day and age, you can just put the information in an email and send mm-hmm. it to me. What we wanted to do is actually copy what really what Jesus would do mm. um, and develop the skill, the art form of a question. Most people think questions are easy, yet a good question is quite hard to develop. <laughs> and, yeah. and that's what that's why we are saying this is a, a fusion of critical thinking and Hebraic understanding. Mm-hmm. Because if you see most of the engagement of Jesus with others, it's usually in the context of a question. Now, a lot of times Jesus doesn't answer the question. Right. Right. Uh, and then that should have a red flag for people to even examine the text more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But again, if I'm coming from a Christian point of view for Christian homeschool education and you want to elevate it, then what I'm asking the journey to be is be a forensic detective when it yeah. comes to the text. Why are there redundancies? Why is the mm-hmm. why is there an emphasis? I mean, just for your listeners out there, I think some have wondered why 2000 years of biblical history is summed up in 11 chapters in Genesis. Mm -hmm. Now, don't get me wrong. I love flaming swords at the garden of Eden, like anyone else. (laughs) I, you know, that tower of Babel scene, that was quite interesting. Uh, But we do spend two chapters on genealogy of bagats and baguettes. When I was a kid, I tuned out and went to sleep. Uh, so I want to be, I want to confess to your audience that, you know, I wasn't always a biblical scholar. Uh, mm. when I was growing up, sometimes stuff seemed very boring because no one took out the time to figure out why we have genealogy to begin with. And then we spent a lot of time on the flood, like really spent a lot of time on the flood. Yeah. Right. So it's like, why, why are, why is God giving me these stories to sum up the first 2000 years of biblical history? They got to be significant. Now, why mm-hmm. is it significant? And that's the joy of the journey. But we begin with the question, why this story than anything else? And what's in the story that can give me a clue to help me get those golden nuggets of revelation from the text? And this is what the book does. It builds up those skills, layering everything one by one. And so we, we went, listen, it, uh, I, I put out a book, Your Sabbath Invitation, uh, a celebration of, of, of your partnership with God. That was, the, that was the book that I published last year. But we realized mm-hmm. uh, that for the high school student, we're going to have to even layer more because we want mm-hmm. them to enjoy the journey and then provide video content because some people just don't process by reading. They right. do need the video or a podcast, which we also put into the curriculum to hear it as well. So there's review. And on top of that, because there are Hebrew words being introduced into the text, we didn't want the Hebrew to overwhelm the student. 
So we created a separate series called a relationship with the Hebrew alphabet. And we emphasize relationship. Uh, so let me, let me take it from where, where Christians are at right now. If you go to the first verse in the gospel of John, it says in the beginning was the word. Wait a second. If I go to Genesis chapter one, I will never find a word being created. Hmm. Right. But if I go to Proverbs chapter eight and it talks about wisdom and wisdom means from a Hebraic context, God's word, but God's mm -hmm. heavenly word. We mm -hmm. know from Proverbs chapter eight that the word was with God at his side before the world was created. In fact, God's heavenly word created this world. Not to get Keanu Reeves on you right now, but the real matrix <laughs> of the world is God's word. Uh, and therefore, that now you can understand the, the first verse of the Gospel of John, in the beginning was the word, because indeed, God who is infinite created an infinite mm -hmm. heavenly word. And what we have in front of us in our Bible today are the finite letters and words that mm -hmm. connect to that heavenly word so that when we talk about holy spirit and god's word it's that light bulb that goes on top of our head yeah and so it lights up yeah because you finally got it well you yeah. just had a finite infinite god moment by going in engaging in the text so mm. to summarize it really is to develop the art form of a question ah oh, so good okay we're going to go a little bit more, get a little bit more because I have some more pages to show. Okay. Um, okay. So this is, shows you the elements and what's inside it. And there's 15 lessons. Um, and then for those us homeschoolers that have to write transcripts and, you know, this is cultural studies, reading comprehension, critical thinking, study skills, and Christian studies, which is just like, Yay! Because it covers all those things. As parents, we get to do this. So uh, anything you want to say about this before I move on? So the, I, the again, I, I, no one can do this alone. I'm so mm -hmm. grateful to Tamara Poole, to Gina Noble, to a whole team of, of homeschool mothers mm -hmm. that are helping me and guiding me. At the end of the day, from my point of view, what I've seen over 22 years in the calling of Jewish Christian relations, redemption is moved forward from women. Mm. Uh, and our proof text Hebraically is the beginning of Exodus. You can't have Moses without Pharaoh's daughter saving yeah. Moses. You can't have, you can't have Moses or the rest of the male children without the, I would say the Egyptian midwives that service mm -hmm the Jewish population, the Hebrews, that saved the male child, right? We have Moses' sister who yep. plays a big role. So if you want to look at where redemption is coming and moving forward is always from, from the, the women in the Bible, mm. okay? And uh, therefore, if I really look at the homeschool world, I see the driving force is always through the homeschool mothers. So I am wise to say, I know what I know, <laughs> And I know what I don't know. And I'd rather get the feedback on how to do this properly from people who are in it. And therefore, mm -hmm. it was developed as a team. It might be some of my content, but the way it's presented is the help of, of great homeschool mothers. Oh, that's so good. Okay. 
Now we're going to go over here. Got another page to show. Uh, okay, so then the notebook responses. So explain yeah. this. And I think this is all, again, part of Jewish learning yeah. um, with the responses. Again, there's going to be a lot of nuggets. What I've found over, over the 22 years, I call it the Christian processing look. It, mm. Now, for your listeners, I'm going to copy this. It's like... <laughs> And it's like this intense you know, uh, stare at me as I'm I'm just laying something out and all of a sudden they get hit with it. And it's like, oh, I do need a moment to just process this. Please yes. do not go forward in your speech. But I have to because I'm standing in front of people and that'd be weird in silence. So, yeah. right. So therefore, what the notebook response is, uh, really, it's the accomplishment of that is to take these nuggets and allow time for the student to process it. And mm -hmm. we don't throw a lot of pages per, per chapter for the student not to be overwhelmed. That's why we layered right. it in the way we, that we yeah. did is because sometimes when you're getting hit about, wait a second, there's this whole chaos to order thing. Like God is using familiar words in unfamiliar ways. Uh, I thought evening was evening and morning was morning, but now you're telling me, you know, well, in the, in, the, in the creation narrative, evening is not evening and morning is not morning. I, I need some time to, mm -hmm. to just, you know, be with that concept. And what does that really mean in your own life? And how do you practically live that out? No. Oh, yeah. So that's so the notebook good. responses. I love that. Okay, we have one more page. I'm gonna show. I mean, I could just show the whole thing, but then they won't need to buy it. So we're yeah, not exactly. You're giving the secret. You're giving the secret archives away. <laughs> yeah. Now, I just want them to get a, an idea of what they can. It is so clean and just neat and like not overwhelming. Because I think when they think of the topic, like this is going to be overwhelming. I'm not going to be able to handle it. But you can see from this, it's just so easily laid out. I can open the book and work through it with my kids. We're all learning together and it's very easy. Yeah. So this is kind of like the, the review and the preview of the lesson. Yes. Again, we did that intentionally. Again, in my, in my book that I published last year, you don't have all of this laid out. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. It's really a book for more of a, for an adult going through it. Yeah. Right. Uh, but I wanted the, the it, I wanted the family to be part of the process. Even that Sabbath is shouldn't just be this individual student going through mm -hmm. this alone, that the, mm -hmm. the family should be part of the celebration because at the end of the day, we're trying to be in fulfillment people with, when it comes to prophecy. So yeah. let the family celebrate it. So the, the parents should enjoy the lessons as well. Oh, so good. All right. So uh, you mentioned this is going to be available soon. Tell us where we can find it. Again, you talked you talked about what we could expect with the videos and the podcasts and the different things. But is there anything else you haven't mentioned? Just just tell us all the details because I am super excited about this. So I will let your listeners know that we're currently working on the next curriculum. Okay, which is an intro into the parables. Mm, that's awesome. Okay, uh, so you can get the curriculum through biblicalexcavations.com, which is about on the Sabbath. This is good primer to help you when you deal with the intro to the parables, because most people think that Jesus came up with the monopoly on the parables in story <laughs> format, right? And and the truth is, is if you go to uh, the story of Nathan the prophet rebuking David, yes, with the sheep, <laughs> yeah. 
So, uh, and you know, that whole sin that took place, mm-hmm. Nathan diplomatically is figuring out a way that mm-hmm. David could get the hint and David will do something. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So he provides a parable in a story format. Isaiah five, the parable of the vineyard. Mm-hmm. The, 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 again, this is already known Jewish techniques or Hebraic techniques that people would know. If you're a first century listener and you're being all of a sudden Jesus is turning around and throwing a parable at you, it's not to think of that I need to learn a lesson. A parable story format is I need an immediate answer. Mm. And that's the reason why he's using, because if you look at what happens in Nathan the prophet with David, for the very first time in biblical history, we have a character that says I sin and real and really means it. Yeah. And we know that because David you know, writes Psalm 51, which I called mm-hmm. the dry cleaners Psalm. <laughs> There's a lot of washing and removing the stains and all that other stuff that's happening in that Psalm. That's why I call mm-hmm. the dry cleaners uh, uh, Psalm. But David takes what Nathan has said to him to heart and goes into atonement mode it doesn't mean that the consequences of david's actions won't hurt his kingdom Mm -hmm. which it does Mm -hmm. but does the relationship be is is the relationship restored between god and david the answer is yes otherwise we wouldn't be talking about david today because he was a human person who did fail but then sought god's forgiveness went into atonement mode and the relationship was restored without any offering. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So good. So oh, good. there's, yeah, so good. And that, and I am so thankful as I'm sitting here, just like absorbing everything you said, I'm so thankful that you are taking the time to lay this out, all this in a way that we're going to benefit from it in our homes and in our families. And the things that we'll be going and teaching my children are things I never learned. And so it's exciting to see that they're going to have this biblical foundation, this knowledge that I didn't have. And it's just cool. This whole generation, hopefully if homeschool parents are going to embrace this um, because we're going to be able to give our children something that, that we didn't have growing up. And I think it's just, it's going to, it's going to grow the kingdom, which is the whole purpose of it. Exactly. We are supposed to be living, breathing kingdom vehicles. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So I I really appreciate the opportunity to share with you. Yeah, uh, this exciting and give us show. the website. Give us the website again to make Biblical, sure. We'll... Biblicalexcavations.com. All right. And when will it be available? In uh, about two weeks from now. Okay. We're going to have it. We're going to look at it. We're going to get excited about it. I am so glad, David, that you were here today. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for sharing with us. Um, I've learned so much just in this conversation. I cannot wait to dig into this curriculum um, with my kids and we'll put in the comments um we'll put the link to everything that we talked about but thank you so much for being here god bless take care thank you for tuning in to the trisha goyer show i hope you received help and inspiration that's what i'm here for now remember if you would like to submit a question email it to hello at trishagoyer.com and i can't wait until we connect again